Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in as we worship together and study the scripture together. Uh, we will be in Psalm chapter 66, verse 5. So if you want to just kind of earmark that, pull it up, however you look, turn to it. Psalm 66, uh, verse 5 is where eventually we're going to find ourselves as we do the last of this series uh, that we have together uh, called Stepping Forward. So, but before we go any further than that, before we actually get to Psalm 66, let's pray together. God, we certainly ask for your guidance and direction. We need massive amounts of wisdom as we make decisions uh, that lay before us each and every day. Uh, regular life decisions, unique parts of life decisions. We pray for um, continued uh, healing and wisdom and approach to life as we seek to bring you glory in all that we do. As restrictions roll back or... As we get back to a little bit more of our work and worship and how we live and play, Lord, we pray we'll just bring you glory in all of it. That you might make us sensitive, discerning, able to see the next step, the way that we may love others as we move forward throughout our day. And also, Lord, we pray that this scripture will be made known to us, that we may know what you mean by it, what you're saying by it, and also what it means for us to do in response. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at the last of our Step Forward series, we're looking to step forward to gather. Now, last time we had talked about step forward together, where we're in unity and we're moving forward in Ephesians 4. Well, this is stepping forward in order to gather, in order for us to get together. And, and also showing the urgency of sharing the incredible invitation of the gospel through relationships. Regardless of where you find yourself, hopefully and prayerfully and eventually, um, things will be able to become more open. You'll become more open where you work, where you worship, live and play. You'll become more sensitive and available, as we prayed earlier, to what the Holy Spirit's doing and how he's using you to make uh, people and others and those you run into, strangers, uh, make it easier for them to get to Jesus. So when we're thinking about stepping forward in order to gather that leads us to this sort of, well, I like to say it this way, because you see these massive uh, sort of calls out in scriptures, in the Bibles, come and see plus faith and deeds. Come and see plus faith and deeds. Finding those who are roaming and wandering through life, wondering what's next. Everyone around us, even in the best of times, they have questions. They wonder why this is happening, why this is taking place, why isn't this happening, why isn't this taking place? And as Christians, our responsibility is to be able to come forward and, and to provide for them uh, a relationship and a way to the one who knows the answers to all those questions. Whether it's through Bible memorization, we share with them scriptures. It's a relationship, encouraging them to read certain books or passages of scriptures so that they might grow in the knowledge and the wisdom and the eternal truth of God's word. But in the midst of all of this, when we go to gather there is a point to gathering. There's a point to being unleashed onto the world. There's a reason that God created the local church to be his agent of change and transformation through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit on the earth. And you as a Christian are part of that. And if you're not a Christian, God so desperately wants you to be a part of that. So much that he sent his one and only son and we celebrate Christmas to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, my sins, our sins, 
so that we might be able to live fully in the creative purpose that God has for us. So it is his lean-in, white-knuckle throne moment that you would be saved. And if you're already saved, that you would live this way, helping others as you gather with others. And it could be all kinds of different circumstances and scenarios. Not just worship services, but meetings at work or neighborhood gatherings or running into people as they're grabbing takeout or at shopping places. So all of this working to help us. And, and this is very important to God because of the transformation that can come. For the transformation for the good, the better, the best that can happen in someone's life as they get closer to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to be able to exercise our freedoms more and more and as we should be able to. But it's a whole nother loving, transforming, really caring about humanity kind of thing. When we exercise the freedoms that we have in a way that helps people get closer to the Trinity, to God, to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And that should always be in the forefront, the back front of our mind and our fingertips and our tongue tips so that we might go. So as you live life and move in, you're going to help what? Gather people to you through relationship possibly, but the ultimate end goal is to end where God is, which brings us to this one thing, this one thing that, that drives this passage of scriptures. Um, a little, let's just look at this one thing. Let me share with you the one thing as, as you watch and listen. The invitation must be indication of the destination that is God. Our freedoms don't exist purely for our own joy and purely for our own wants and selfish desires. They exist so that others may be raised up, so that others may grow up, so that others may understand the greatness that is God. So as you experience more and more freedoms being returned to you, as you experience the opportunities to get back to work, worship, where you live and play, all of these things, this one thing, it reminds us of that, that there's a destination. There's a purpose. It's focused freedom so that we might gather people to God and not to anything else other than his will and his purpose. And that's certainly going to be hard. You're certainly going to want to be tempted, challenged, and hope to do all kinds of things in all different directions. And as you have the ability to do that, we want to look in to what we can do to invite people into a relationship with God so that they might be able to experience what the destination is God. We're, we're always trying to move all our relationships, Christian and non-Christian, believer and not born again, to a deeper, better understanding. And you might, like me, just get a moment in uh, a grocery store. Getting some grocery stores, it was like uh, one of the ladies coming next to me, it's like Christmas Day, they've got toilet paper. And we were right there and we each got one. And then my buddy comes around the corner and we bump in each other and we just start talking. The next thing you know, we're sharing scriptures, we're telling stories and just trying to encourage each other in the different life stages to say, look, as more and more opportunities present itself to us, we should strive to help people to not only see God in this, experience God in this, but go to him for what's the best way and solution for moving forward. So that's why we talk about the invitation should provide the indication, right? It's like, yes, move forward. Yes, step forward. Yes, gather together. Yes, um, things that are good continuing to happen. But to what end? So that people are led to a deepening relationship with God, whether they are Christian or not. So let's look at Psalm uh, chapter 66, verse 5. 
I love this. Remember, it's come and see faith and deed. So we invite people to come and see, but come and see what? How great we are? No, how awesome God is through our faith and deeds. That's how people see who God is. We'll just look at Psalm uh, 66, verse 5. I can just imagine uh, the Israelites of old just singing this out from the top of their lungs, uh, this phrase in Hebrew. Let's look at it here. Psalm 66, verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. So you get this sort of clarion call to people, this just billowing out of people. It's like, look, come and see what God has done. And, and more and more of what God is doing is starting to rise to the surface. And you, you also need to be looking for it, too. Not just expecting to smack you in the face with it, but you need to be looking at the good things that have come out of these last few months that we've had. And you might be saying, well, nothing's good's come out of this. I've, I've lost this and I've lost that and there's still challenges and I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to move forward. Oh, let me tell you this. God can pull back the curtain through the Holy Spirit and a relationship with Him and as you study the Bible, if you simply ask Him to. And I begin to do that even more and more. God, help me find the articles and hear the stories and run into people that go, man, it was once like this, like two weeks ago, and now this happened, and I don't know why. And I'm like, look, that's God. Some people who are already Christians are like, look what God did. And they just tell their story of God makes it so clear. This is what he wanted me to do. This is how he provided for me. I had no idea how this was going to happen. And on and on and on it went. And we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more later. But as we look into this, the invitation is this. Come and see what God has done. And there's the indication. Why are you, I'm inviting you um, back to church. Why I'm inviting you to a, a Zoom Bible study. Why I'm inviting you to, to go walk or exercise together. What's the point? So that you can see through conversation, through action, through faith and deeds, what God has done. So as people are looking all over for answers and they're looking all over to try to get back to some semblance of what they consider comfort and preference. It's our responsibility, Christian, brother and sister, to just say, look, what God is up to, look what he is doing. And then it talks about his awesome deeds towards the children of man. And in a greater reference, we can think of children of man as all of humanity, but we can also look at his awesome deeds uh, towards his will. And I just, I love that phrase because awesome is a great mix of terrible wonder. Like, man, that was fantastic and a little kind of scary because it was incredible. And that's kind of the stuff God does. He has such insight. He can read your heart. He can read your mind. He knows your actions. He can see all your days at once. So when God is awesome, you can almost compound word break that out. All and some. Like he's done something that is awe-inspiring. And for the Christian, it's assuring and it's unlifting. And it prepares us for the future steps he has for us. For the non-Christians, it's just a a warning sign to say, look, God's at work. He's real. He cares for you. Life is hard. You will not survive this on your own will and abilities. You need the salvation of Jesus. So this beginning of verse 5 says, come and see as God cut through the hardship of life. How many stories have you heard, seen, or even been a part of, of neighbor helping neighbor. I was just talking to a lot of people around our local church today and they were just, you know, it's like, Hey, is there anything you need? Do you have all that you need? And they're like, look, my daughter-in-law, my friend, my neighbor, if ever I need something, I just ask them 
and they'll get it. And I'm the same way. If I have needs, there there are tons of people in my life that I can call and ask and go, hey, can you help me find this? Can you help me get this? Can you help me accomplish this? And more and more and more, those stories are starting to come out as people wrestle with um, processing all that's going on in our world and even in our town. So come and see God cut through the hardship of life. When you're following God's will, we don't have to worry, Matthew 6. We don't have to be overly anxious. Jesus' burden is light. His, his yoke is easy, which basically means when we're following Jesus, we can just have full trust. You literally can let go of the things, as David say, are eating his bones on the inside. Just covering him and saturating with his despair. And what does he do? In Psalms, he runs to the Lord and he's just like, look, come and see what God has done. And he's just remembering and celebrating. And, and it doesn't have to mean what God has done for you. Celebrate what God has done for others. Because as we step forward to gather together, and God makes a way for us to do that in all kinds of arenas, spaces, and atmospheres of our life, we want to make sure that we're keeping the focus and the destination on God so that people can see that's where they need to put their trust. That's where they need to believe. That's what they need to do. I mean, that, that's the advice that I give to people when they're like, hey, when are we going to get back in the building to worship again? And when should I come? And I say, look, you, your number one prayer as it results to that thing is to ask God what he wants you to do. And then whatever God tells you to do, you do it. So if he says go to church and you're apprehensive, you're concerned, he says go to church and you're jacked and excited and ready to go, you do it. If he tells you that you um, need to wait and watch the video online or it's, it's not time yet, you need, to, you need to do that. You always need to follow what God's telling you to do. Whenever, just read the Bible. You can almost pick any section of the Bible. Just randomly open it and read it. And you will see it always goes poorly when people don't follow God's will. Just horribly wrong. Relationships start to train wreck. Work starts to fall apart. All of these things happen. Or people get this false sense of security. They start following these mirages that I'm smart enough, strong enough, pretty enough, fast enough, witty enough, hospitable enough. I can do enough good to where life is going to turn out good for me. And God's just like, look, you try to do anything apart from me and it's going to be bad. And that's the whole thing when, when you gather, whether it's work, worship, live or play. When you gather, make sure God is in the middle and at the forefront of all those relationships. I love the word awesome, right? Awesome. Because awesome seems to me like such a, I don't know, a colloquialism. It's very, very important, you know, to be, be like, awesome. Yeah, dude, bro. Right. And you just kind of get this awesome deal. But it's here in scriptures of this awesomeness that we reference there that that and here's what's so great about awesome. And there are many things, but just to highlight one, when you're talking about the awesomeness of God, God's at work in a noticeable and discernible ways, not some sort of ethereal sitting on his throne, sort of intelligent design to sort of spin things off. But God's actually at work. People are getting fed. Their needs are being met. Their, their joy levels are beginning to fill. He's giving people strength in their weaknesses as they trudge through the hardness of being trapped with their roommates and people and work and restrictions and all of this. You see God is at work in discernible ways in people, through people, and all around them. So basically, the evidence that God is real, that Jesus is real, the Holy Spirit is real, and that he loves them is laid right out before people. 
through their actions. We were just talking about this Thursday night uh, on our Zoom meeting about how you as a Christian, and even non-Christians are used to accomplish God's will, but you as a Christian are used to demonstrate the realness of who God is. People can see you, they can interact with you, they can have conversations and a relationship with you. You are an example of Jesus Christ to your worlds and circle of influence. So what you see here in this awesomeness when they invite people to come and see is come and see and hear the awesome deeds that God does for humanity. And it's done in, through, and around us and other people. And you start seeing a growing testimony. Less and less people grumbling, grumbling about the hardships and celebrating how God has brought them through and how God watched over them and used a neighbor, a co-worker, a spouse, an ex, a kid, a stepkid to transform how they see and what's going on. And that that's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of God's movement and how he's pushing and preparing all of us. Some of the benefits that happen when we do this, some of the awesome deeds that God has done, I'm just going to name a few. We see love that endures, joy that everlasts, producing of peace, patience when needed, kindness is delivered. These are just some of the ways you can model Jesus Christ to other people. Goodness shared, faithfulness demonstrated out, gentleness revealed, self-control achieved. And if I was you, I'd pause the video right now, rewind back about 15 seconds, and re-listen to that a couple times. Because here's what's going to happen, Christian or not. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to you and be like, that's one you do well. Let's, let's kick it up a notch. And here's one you could really work on, or a bunch of them that you can work on. But go back and listen to those that I just said, and just see real God-honoring ways for you to invite people in to who God is. There are a million, jillion, infinite scenarios and solutions where people are trying to put their trust in. But as Christians, we know it is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Whether it's the valley of the shadow of death or the mountaintop of celebration, we put our trust in God because He's the only God exists. He's perfect, He's holy, He's true, and He's right. So you've got all of these pushing us to become more like Christ. And, and I love to come and see. You know what come and see means? Come and see what God has done doesn't put all, uh, in fact, it's just all on God when you say that. Because it's come and see what God has done. Not what I've done, not what my neighbor's done, but what God's done in, through, and around people. And I love that. You're just kind of like, Shh, look, look at this, look at this, like you're, you're, just look at this fine activity, listen to this great story, watch this awesome video, just see how God's moving. You're just a, a facilitator, a conduit, a roadway, or a path to Jesus and then he'll begin to reveal how he's at work. Because who better to tell someone that God's at work in their life and to show that than the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? Nobody are better than those guys. And if they're like, God's not at work, oh, he is. And God might use you or someone else to help them to see how he's at work. No matter how disgruntled or happy they are with life, God is moving. So our response to this is to actually make the invitation for people to draw, draw close to God in their word, thought, and deeds. Like we've actually have to literally, figuratively, spiritually, physically, and all the way emotionally live out this, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. And, and let me just encourage you here. 
and give you a real easy first step in sharing the awesome deeds of God. Start with your story that God has worked a move, how he has saved your soul, how he has worked in your life, how he's gotten you through, your business through, your family through, your roommates through, your family through this very challenging, difficult, unique time for almost everybody's life on the planet. We've never seen anything like this. And to just share, man, here's what I was going through. This is what happened. And here's the great joys and the highs and the lows and the successes and failures. And here's how God was leading me all along the way. And here's where I veered off and didn't follow God and crashed and burned. And he, he just forgave me and I came right back. He came right back. Now, for those of you who aren't a part of the family of God, those who, who are like, man, I can't even invite people to see the awesomeness that God's done because I haven't even received that as well. Salvation is not something I am not a Christian. If you're that person who's saying that and listening and you've hung in here with us this whole time, let me just bring the greatest peace to you by just introducing you to Jesus and, and showing you how this works. So salvation is a great good news of God that he loves you so much he sent his son to die for all your wrongdoings and sins. Your wrong thinkings, your wrong sayings, everything. He sent his son Jesus to die for that. And he freely seeks to forgive you. To save you by grace through faith. Because grace is, is that amazing. You're never bad enough. You're never too good to need salvation. So if you're sitting here and you're overly anxious, I'd say, Christian, remember your salvation. But if you're not a Christian, just simply confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God's raised you from the dead and you will be saved. Because it's with your heart that you believe and your mouth that you confess and you're justified, made right in your relationships before God. You will never find true peace. You're, you're never going to enjoy the unquarantined life to its fullest without God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Can I just say that? Does that hurt? It's true. You will never experience the fullness that lies in the rollback of restrictions. You won't have the strength to make it through the hardships that are coming without Jesus, without God, and without the Holy Spirit. And all Christians would say amen and yes, Nathan, to that right now. Because we've all done it. We've had seasons and spots in our life where we've tried to do without God and it just it didn't work. And we're so glad that he forgives us and allows us and and, and brings us back to him and calls us to his way in his home. But if you're watching this and you're not yet a Christian, things aren't going to get better for you. They're, they're not. It might be a mirage. You might think it is. It might be. I would just say this, it's so much less than what God has for you when you keep trying to push him out, work against him, and you're not in that relationship. Your greatest need, non-Christian, your greatest need, person who's not born again and saved, is salvation and if you even sit here and you're like i've got a great life now i've got a good life now i would say that is like filthy rags compared to what a relationship with god is and it is not always easy it will cost you everything it will be hard people will make fun of you some people won't be your friend because of it things will be said about you but on the other side, you'll be able to experience all of those things. God will just delve out his full treasures. And like, like I said last week, they just there isn't an exchange. 
There is an exchange that is ever equal to what God does. It is so miraculous and so powerful and so wonderful and helps us in our need and celebrates in our joy that you just don't know until you go through that yourself. So my encouragement to you is do it. Be saved right now. I like to say this. Don't wait for today. It's too late. Do it right now. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Allow Jesus to just, just take it all and forgive you. And then, then have him be your Lord, leader, and great love of your life. Just follow him, submissive. Trust him and obey him in whatever he says. Get a great Bible. Start reading it and start studying. It's just, it's just The closest thing I could think to compare it to is, um, like before I had kids, right? Before my wife and I had kids, right? People tell you what it's like to have kids and what it's like to to do this and do that and have that experience and and you know you can read all the books and watch all the videos and do all the social media and just feel like you're prepared but but you're not there is there is no joy that can prepare you for that everything's just it's just kind of a shadow and if you're not saved you're not christian you're living in the darkness of, of the shadows of life just you don't have the strength that you need to make it through the tough times and you certainly can't experience the riches that are there. So stop waiting because we're calling you forward to gather with us as the body of Christ and say, receive that in. So I'd also say this, come and see the faith and deeds of an awesome God. All the things he should get credit for count your blessings. So if you're like, well, how do I share my story? My story's not all that great. Um, I, I don't have such a dramatic testimony as everybody else. I got saved when I was young. You know, all the, whatever reason you may have or not know where to start, start with counting your blessings in your story. Because the Bible tells us that all good things come from God. The wonderful, created purpose plan that he has for your life, from God. God being for us, from God. All of those things come. So we begin to count our blessings so that we might experience what he has. So just before you go to work, before you engage the family, before you come home from wherever you are, count your blessings and, and, and be grateful for those things. And when you focus on that, you'll find so much more joy. And it'll be easier, quite honestly, to help others find their way out of despair. When you can point to Jesus and go, look, this is the way out. He's the way out. He provides those things for us. And it allows us to experience and have all of that great joy which exists in the midst of those so let me remind you as we close here about the one thing right the one thing the invitation must be and has to be the indication of the destination which is god so as you go forth you're like man isn't it so great we can get together again isn't it so great that we can we can do this at restaurants again and in salons and and all these things beginning to open. Isn't this so great? Make sure that we're inviting people to greatness, that we're inviting them to the greatness and the credit of the goodness of what God has done. All of our governmental leadership is in place because God's done it. The Bible literally says that. They're there because God has put them in place. That's what he wants. And God has control over everything. There is nothing that slips through his fingers, nothing that goes unnoticed, Nothing that, that Christ doesn't cover, nothing the Holy Spirit can't reach and empower to do. 
So if God is sovereign over everything, our highs and our lows and everything in between, then we have to do our very best to not just say, oh man, isn't it great that this is happening, but really give credit to God and help help people to see that it's God who is making these ways for us as he watches over us, provides for us, and cares for us, and that he's there, regardless of circumstance, regardless of take place. If the circumstances are great, they can celebrate. Praise the Lord, as the Bible would say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then if they're in a, a low point or a hard point or a fiscally challenging, emotionally, spiritually, whatever that might be, then you can weep and mourn with your face in the dirt with them and say, God will prepare and protect and watch us in the midst. He will cut through the hardship because if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing and no one can be. You Christian have a great, awesome, incredible power. It's Jesus Christ to help raise people up all the time. So it's my great encouragement that we just continue to do that. That when we're unleashed back on the world more and more, at the beach, walking the bridge, whatever we're doing, that we're out there and we're exemplifying and modeling Jesus Christ for others and, and gathering them in and making it easy for them to get to Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to close in prayer because this is a time for us to get with the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak to us. Not Christian, this is easy. The Bible says it. Christians would say it throughout all of human history. It's time to be saved right now. Don't wait for today, right now. So let's pray together for that. And, and we just invite the Christians to pray as well for all those people in your life who aren't saved, brothers, sisters, neighbors, whomever they may be. Let's pray. God, we pray for the salvation of those who are not yet a part of the family of God, all the, the non-Christians, those who aren't yet our brothers and sisters in Christ because they've yet to lay down their life and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord of their life and everything. And believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. So Lord, we pray right now that they'll finally lay down all of their garbage and all of their trash and all their hurt and all their guilt and all their shame and all their false sense of security and all their safety nets and all their concerns and all their intelligence and wisdom and, and strength. They're essentially all their time, all their talent, all their treasures. They just lay all of that down and say, God, you just, just, just do your will, and I'll be obedient and I'll follow. Save me by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord, pray that you'll do that. And that they will then tell others about that. Get into a Bible-believing, Jesus-saves-preaching church and begin to live for him as God created them to do. Created them to do. And God, we pray for us as Christians. We pray, Lord, that you'll empower us to not only be excited for the rollback of restrictions, but to be excited to share with people in a greater urgency and sense that God is real. To, to quote the scriptures, that we would just go out more and more and say, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward children of man. And may they come to our local churches. May they come to our online uh, Bible discussions. May they come to our homes for burgers and dogs. May they come with us to the beach and come with us as we're walking and come with us to wherever we may work, worship, live, and play. All for the hope that they might know Jesus more deeply. 
And so someday in heaven, all of us as Christians may rejoice together and say, God, you are so great. God, you are so awesome. And we're just going to praise you forever. We love you. Lord, thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for laying the steps before us. We pray that you'll grant us great wisdom as we move forward, giving you glory in all that we do and worrying about pleasing you and honoring you and serving you in the hardship and the hopeship of life. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.